Lasting Media. This episode of Jonah and the Whale is brought to you by ShopCado.com, which is a female-owned corporate and personal gift company. I'm excited to tell you that Jonah and the Whale listeners get 10% off. Just use the promo code Jonah. So express your appreciation and enhance your brand through curated gifts with custom messaging. Be a gift hero at shopcado.com. Promo code Jonah. That's S-H-O-P-C-A-D-E-A-U-X.com. John Bellatieri was 26 years old when he was murdered. He's, he's a great person, and whoever did this is a son of a bitch. I do know that John did get into Angel Dust, and I do believe that this was a drug-related murder. My mother is ill, and I would love for her to have some answers before she passes. Real families, real stories. From Lasting Media, I'm Jason B. Jones, and this is Season 2 of Knock Knock, the unsolved murder of John Bellatieri. Available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Lasting Media Group presents Jonah and the Whale, a unique journey of triumph through tragedy. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to season two. Hey, we've got a very special show for you today with psychotherapist Stacy Kaiser. Stacy wrote one of my favorite books, How to Be a Grown-Up, but you probably know her from her appearances on Good Morning America, Tyra, The Doctors, Fatal Vows, but recently she's been working on Surviving R. Kelly. So we've got a lot to talk about. Let's dive in together for today's Underwater Moment. Hey, it's Josh Skinner for a very special Jonah and the Whale with psychotherapist Stacy Kaiser. Stacy, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad to get to do that. I know. For our listeners, just so they know, I've known Stacy for over 10 years. She appeared on my first internet show way back when, and she also helped me through a breakup <laughs> as a friend and as a therapist as well. Uh, she wrote an excellent book called How to Be a Grown-Up. You may know her from Tyra or Celebrity Fit Club, The Doctors, or even one of my favorites, Fatal Vows on Discovery ID. How, how's your career been? Um, I just feel really blessed. I, I really do. What, you know what I've been doing lately mm. is I have been working behind the scenes on Surviving R. Kelly, which has been heavy, heavy stuff, but I, I, you know, a blessing because I'm, I'm helping people deal with really traumatic stuff. When you walk into a show like that, knowing that how big it's in the news and how emotional it is, what what is that experience like? Well, it's heartbreaking, honestly, but I I feel like I have something that I can offer. You know, I spent 20 years working at a crisis center and I've been through traumatic stuff myself. And so I, I understand what these people are going through and I feel like whatever support I can provide them behind the scenes, totally glad to do it. You know, so the subject of our show is that when moments or situations become larger than life, it kind of feels like it takes you under, <clears throat> like you're drowning and you can't breathe. Yeah. So when you're dealing with a, a victim, like on Surviving R. Kelly, or just one of your clients, what's the top three things that you need your client to know? So I think the top three things are that 
you can still be the person that you want to be and feel that you are. I think the second thing is that it's really important when you are going through a difficult time to lean on your support system. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people have a faulty definition of a support system. A support system should be somebody who has your back, who lifts you up, who is there for you, not somebody who criticizes you or is a, you know, sunny day friend that only wants to be there when you're happy, but somebody who is really there for you and has your back. Um, and so you really need to lean on those people and because people tend to isolate when things get tough and it's not good to isolate. It's actually hugely unhealthy. And then I would say the third thing is to heal whatever it is. So whether it's a breakup or, you know, a, assault or financial troubles or whatever, it's like you really need to look at the emotional piece of it and process it because when you put it away and try and stuff it, it ends up coming out later. Oh, that's so true. I mean, I know that from my own life that things can show up many years later. How do you battle the fear not to deal with it right away? That's a really good question. I mean, I always say that, you know, fear is one of those things that holds you back. And so you just have to do it anyway. I think Nike was sort of on to something with that whole just do it theory. Only I feel it in an emotional way. You just have to take the step. You just have to do it because what ends up happening is you feel better. When you start making changes in your life and you start surrounding yourself with people who support you and you start dealing with your feelings, you start to feel good. And so then it's not scary anymore. And here's another piece. I think that fear is something that it's like the check engine light on your car. It's a way of saying something's wrong. And so you need to deal with whatever it is that's wrong. So a lot of people write into our show and... It seems simple, but the emails are all the same. I didn't realize that other people were going through trials and tribulations too. And why do you think we we feel as human beings that we're so unique in our pain? Well, first of all, pain is unique. So if like five people have, you know, the same experience, they're going to feel slightly different. But I think the other thing is it's that isolation thing I was talking about is people tend to feel like they're alone and they don't reach out to see if they're not. And what I think is fantastic now is we have whole like online support groups for literally everything. If you type in your problem, there's a forum about it or people are posting on it. There's a hashtag on Instagram. It is positively amazing. Like I was, I was doing something on my Instagram the other day and I did like hashtag heartbreak and I could not believe like how many I don't know if it might've been a million or several hundred thousand people had done hashtag heartbreak. It's like, you need to go seek out the people who are feeling the same way so that you don't feel alone. And then that actually helps you and makes you feel better. What do you think is the biggest misconception that we feel like we are or need to do to be a grown up? (laughs) Because you wrote this book (laughs) and you're like, how do you be a grown up? Yeah. Often I feel like as I get older, I'm unlearning my childhood and I'm releasing things. So it's not really like I'm learning new stuff. I'm just unlearning what I thought I needed to be. Wow. That was really profound. Say that one more time. As I'm continuing (laughs) to grow older, I realize I'm unlearning what I thought I needed to be. And that stems from my childhood and also the dreams that I had that I expected Los Angeles to give me. Yeah. I think 
that you're describing something really profound is we all kind of grow up and think we're supposed to be a certain something. And that's influenced by a lot of factors. That could be from your upbringing. That could be from relationships that you had along the way, standards and judgments from society about who you are and who you're supposed to be. And so I feel like the hope is, at least, when you get older, you sort of take all that stuff off and say, like, who do I want to be? Now, here's just an interesting fact. When people get, like, older, older, like walking into the sunset, you know, with a walker, playing shuffleboard, you know, sitting on a bench with, you know, gray hair and all that other stuff. Those people, when they look back on their lives and say, like, did I live my last, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years the way I wanted to? The people who feel like they did, the people who feel like they lived a great 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they're happier. But the ones who have regret, the ones who were taking care of other people, the ones who were not taking care of themselves or not moving and shifting in the way that they needed to were the ones that, you know, end up depressed and regretful. So I think you're on the right path, actually, Josh. So what are, other than my wrong choices that I'm making, (laughs) (laughs) what are are some uh, uh, choices that you see your clients make that kind of hinders them becoming an adult? Oh, so I was just going to say that the whole grown-up thing, I think is it's kind of a misconception. To me, being a grown-up is about taking care of your business, but also having a really great time. Like, I have a really good time. I mean, I like Las Vegas and Disneyland and staying up really late and the trashier the TV, the better. Like, I, I like to have a good time, but I also really work hard to make sure that I take care of my two kids, although one of them is out and about already doing her own thing. And I work, you know, I work hard to make sure that I am doing what I need to do in my life so that I can have the fun. And I think that's the thing. It's like, sometimes you have to sacrifice some things so that you can have something else. And a lot of people just realize that they're either focusing on the sacrifice of, I don't want to do this, or they're focusing on the, I want this other amazing thing. And it's really about finding the balance. How do you find that balance? Well, you read my book. But you also practice. You also really practice. And you do something that I call conscious living, where I consciously block out times a day to do things I don't like to do. Like, I hate billing and bills. I hate that stuff. And I'm not good at math. So (laughs) all things in that category. So I literally say to myself, okay, you're going to do this from 10 a.m. to noon or whatever it is. And then you're going to reward yourself with something that you enjoy. And I won't do it on the weekends because I really hate it. So I just make sure, look, hey, Friday's here. If something's due, I need to take care of it on Friday. So that, that's one thing. I think the other thing is if you can delegate things that you don't like and have someone else do them, then that's great. So if you have a partner or someone that you work with and you can hand off some of those things, as long as you're sort of keeping your eye on it, you can totally have someone else do stuff. Now we have the new season of Fatal Vows coming out in 2020, and I was just wondering, you know, I've gone through a few breakups, I've had a broken heart, I was wondering what are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're going through a breakup that makes them want to kill someone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) here's a funny thing. There's a lot of people that actually say to themselves, I'm going to kill somebody, but they don't do it. You actually have to have like a psychological disorder to pull the trigger or drop the poison or whatever it is. So it isn't just that. But I think what you are asking me that I can talk about a little bit is red flags. 
they're oftentimes people when they have the breakup point, they then look back and say like, these were the problems in the relationship instead of being in the relationship and really looking at the problems. So we tend to like, you know, look at the diamond in the rough and be like, well, they're really fun or we've been together for a long time or we live together or whatever it is. And instead of saying, you know what, this is my actual misery list. There's a lot of things that I'm unhappy about. And the kinds of red flags that to me are the most serious red flags are people who treat you with disrespect, people who lie. I was literally asked, a client asked me the other day, if somebody has lied to me, is it likely they will lie to me again? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But people like will believe and say, okay, well, you're not a liar anymore. But if you have it in you to lie, then, then you're, you know, you have it in you. Same thing with the cheating thing. I always tell people, if you are in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have the decency to just come forward and say to you, look, I'm unhappy. I have my eyes on someone else. We need to break up or I'm unhappy. I have my eyes on someone else and we need to fix this so that I don't go stray. So those to me are the biggest red flags. And then I think if you do have a controlling person, this is what we see a lot on our show, controlling people tend to escalate. And so some of the stuff that you see with surviving R. Kelly is he, there's a lot of stories about him being very controlling about things and those things tend to escalate. And so if you're with a controlling person, it's something, I don't think necessarily think you have to worry about being dead, but I think it's a concern. And then other, just side note, life insurance policy. I can't tell you how many people kill people for money. So unless you're really sure, don't put them on your policy. Has it made you look at relationships differently doing that show? Yeah, I think it actually has because there are people who were in relationships for like 25 years and then someone tries to kill them. And so what it's really shown me is that you don't really always know who you're with. And this is something I see in divorce a lot as well. I always tell people, you actually learn who you were married to when you divorce them because things come out that you never saw before. And it's not just a divorce. It could be a long-term relationship with a breakup. It seems to be that in times of stress, when things aren't going well, that's when people change. Why do you think some people can see that they're in a toxic relationship, then they have the courage to break it off, but then they miss it? Um, I think what happens when people break up sometimes is you kind of romanticize the person you're with. You're, you, if it's not really horrible, and sometimes even it is really horrible, they do it. If it's not really horrible, you do have those moments where you're alone, you haven't met anyone else, and you start to think to yourself, well, you know, they got me great presents at Christmas, or they took out the trash and I hate taking out the trash, or they really got along well with my family. And so those kinds of things make pull at your heartstrings that it makes you miss them. And that's when I tell people you immediately have to follow that with the, this is what is wrong with them list. And I'm not kidding about this. I have had clients put the list in their phones or their purse or their wallet or whatever, like make a list of all the reasons that you two shouldn't be together so that when you feel yourself pining, you can look at that list. And if the breakup wasn't on your side, like let's say you think that person's amazing and they left you, then you really need to nitpick (laughs) But to me, the number one reason in that situation is they left you. They didn't realize the prize that you were. And so that is reason enough for you to not want to be with them. Do you believe in blocking people? Yes, I totally believe in it. Toxic people should be blocked. 
How soon can you block people or when should you block people? Immediately. If it's a toxic person, it's immediate and you need to block them everywhere because they're little scrappy little people. They, they really have like a knack for being like, oh, wait, I just found that you're like on, you know, some random app you don't even look at. They're like, why are you on TikTok? (laughs) Why did I just get a message from TikTok? (laughs) I love that. Okay. So lastly, uh, before we wrap up. I know a lot of our listeners are listening because they are currently going through something horrendous. What are a few things that you can just give them right off the bat if they are in their Jonah and the Will underwater moment currently? So the first thing that I would do is say that you 100% need to find someone to talk to, even if it's a stranger online, somebody to connect with who can listen to your story, who can be there for you. And if you're in really bad shape, you should seek some sort of counseling, whether it's psychological or spiritual because you need somebody sometimes to just give you that little lift a little bit so that your head's above water and you can start to find your way out. And then I think the second thing would be to go back to a time in your life when you remember being strong and find that strength within yourself again so that you can use those things that you had in the past that were working for you to help you move forward in the future. I love that. Thank you. Stacy, what a great interview. I love learning from you. I'd love to have you back on the show next season. Sure. If our listeners want to know more information about you, where do they go? My website is stacykaiser.com and on Instagram and Twitter, it's at the Stacy Kaiser. Because awesome. Stacy Kaiser was taken. <laughs> the Stacy Kaiser. I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Jonah and the Well. Don't forget to get Stacy's book, How to Be a Grown Up. It starts off with a test. You take a test, and she'll tell you where you are on the grown up scale. I was mediocre, I have to be honest. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm working on it. Stacy, God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our conversation with psychotherapist Stacy Kaiser. The new season of Fatal Vows starts on February 3rd on Investigation Discovery. If you'd like to hear our latest episode, please visit us at jonahandthewell.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, your ratings and reviews keep our show afloat, and we would love to hear from you. Jonah and the Well is executive produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Josh Skinner. It's edited and produced by Jonas Litton. We want to hear your underwater moment by using the hashtag MyUnderwaterMoment. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Jonah and the Whale.